All right, kids, I'll meet you out there. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Let's bow our heads for a quick prayer. Lord, we ask that the meditation of all of our hearts and the words of my mouth may be pleasing in your sight, our Lord, our rock, our shield. Amen. The day was uh, unlike any day that I'd ever seen. We were in Jerusalem that week for the annual Passover feast and Now we heard some strange rumors about a crucifixion, and not just any crucifixion, but the crucifixion of the man from Galilee. Wasn't it just five days ago that we were in that crowd shouting at him uh, as he entered Jerusalem on the back of a donkey? I can still picture those palm branches swaying back and forth, and we shout, Hosanna, Hosanna! Welcome, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, on that day, we were ready to declare him as our king. And now he's to be killed? I know this man. I've listened to his message. I've seen his healing miracles. I was there on the mountain when he told us that we needed to be salt and light. I witnessed the miracle of how he took the lunch of a little boy. Do you remember that? And he fed the masses with just two fish and a few loaves of bread. I believed then that this man was no ordinary man, but he surely was sent by God. I was part of that crowd that saw him bring a, a man to life named Lazarus, who had been dead in the tomb for three days. It happened in my hometown of Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem. I followed the crowd and and was there when he entered Jerusalem on that Sunday morning, riding the donkey in triumph. And I was there this morning when Pontius Pilate asked the crowd, what should I do with this man? And the crowd shouted back, crucify him, crucify him crucify him. I didn't say anything, but I was there. What you've just heard 
is an eyewitness account of the last days of Jesus as seen by one of the crowd. Those nameless multitudes who seem to change with the wind. One minute, Jesus is our Savior, and the next minute, well, we just aren't sure. So what I plan to do for the next few minutes is to look at how we, Christians, followers of Jesus, are to set our hope on Jesus Christ, even when the crowd around us questions everything about him. My thesis today is found in the first verse that Kate read for us today, verse 13 of of 1 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. In other words, as believers and followers of Jesus as our Christ, what we're to do is to set our hope not on the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. The verse says to set our hope on the grace brought to us when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. You know, Jesus has promised to come again, and we are to set our hope on that. But I think this is a difficult task for many of us. We want to be good Christians. We want to do what God wants us to do, but sometimes it's, it's really hard to do. I think it's difficult for us today, and it was difficult for the crowd in those days following the crucifixion. Now, this guy's name in the crowd that we're hearing from, he could be named Rufus or Nathaniel or, or any one of a number of Jewish people who followed Jesus and believed in him. Perhaps it could even be your name. These are people who one moment cheer for the triumphant Jesus and then just a few days later jeer him and forget that they were called to worship him. This is day one of the crucifixion, and I call these day one Christians. Day one Christians know about Jesus. In fact, they believe in what he says. Day one Christians want to do what is right. They, they try, they, they really, really try, but then they hear the voices of other people who say that this Jesus is really not who he claims to be. They say he's just another prophet in a long line of prophets. They say that, yes, he can perform miracles, but that doesn't prove that he is actually God. And here am I. Here are you. In the crowd. And we just don't know what to think. You know, I think maybe I might be one of those that Peter talked about when he said, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. As it is written, be holy because I am holy. I don't know about you, but I have to admit, it was easy to cheer with the crowd when Jesus came riding into the city Then, to be honest, I I forgot about Jesus because I had so many things to do during that week. 
important things. I mean, th there was a Passover to get ready for. I, I had to purchase a lamb. There were people coming over to my house. You know what I mean. I just couldn't think about Jesus until I went into the city on that Friday and I found myself with the crowd again. I heard them shout, kill this man, and, and I just stood there and did nothing. It was the first day. That night and the next day weren't much better. I tossed and I turned all night, reliving the events of the, of the day, spinning around in my head. He was beaten and whipped until his skin hung in shreds on his back. The soldiers forced a crown of thorns on his head, causing his blood to flow in rivulets down his face. I can still see them thrust a, a heavy cross on his shoulders and make him carry his own instrument of death through the streets until they got to the place of the skull. I followed along with the rest of the curious onlookers, but, but I thought to myself, this was Jesus, the one who brought back others from the dead. Surely he would do something to save himself. I was there when they drove the nails through his hands and the spike through his feet. The, the cross was hoisted up and came down with a jolt. He hung on the cross for hours. And I distinctly heard him say, it is finished. And then he died. My Savior was dead. Here it is on day two of the crucifixion, and I still can't believe it. Jesus is gone. What am I supposed to do now? I'm so confused. Confusion is the plight of second-day Christians. These are people who place their faith in God and in Jesus, but, you know, things haven't worked out the way they thought that it was supposed to work out. You know what I mean? I try to live my life in the way that everyone else does. I work hard, I put in my time, I give to the right charities, but sometimes I get confused. Maybe it was those second-day Christians who Peter was talking about when he said, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Friends, I think being a second-day Christian is a dangerous place to be. A second-day Christian has lost the passion of youth and is mired in the muddy clay of life. Problems have come up, and, and things didn't always work out the way that I thought they would if I just believed in Jesus. I still have a faith and a, a hope in God, but, 
Some days it feels more like a, a sliver of hope instead of a solid plank of faith and hope. All day long, I moved about as if I was in a dream. I, somehow I took care of things. I, I don't really remember anything about that day, that, that second day. So I went to sleep, more in despair than anything else. Early the next morning, I was roused from sleep by the commotion outside. Uh, trying to get back to sleep, I, I rolled over, but something was happening out there, and I, I had to go find out what it was. So getting up, I splashed some water on my face, and I went outside. And in the street, I saw people gathered in a small group, talking excitedly. Making my way over to the small crowd, I, I asked what was going on. Someone in the crowd said that she was friends with Mary and got the news from her. What news, I asked. The news about Jesus. He's alive. What? How can that be? I, I saw him killed. I was there on that first day when the soldier pierced his side with a spear and water gushed out. I, I, I watched as they took his body and laid it in a tomb, I saw that huge stone rolled over to cover the tomb. Someone else said that Peter and John saw him too. They came rushing back after the women ran to get them. The story is that John got to the tomb first, but Peter was the first to go in and see that it was empty. And then I remembered something that Jesus said in one of his teaching moments. Funny, I, I didn't think much of it then, but Jesus said that he would be killed and in three days rise again. I saw him killed, and now it's the third day. On the third day, everything he said came true. On the third day, the dark veil of despair and confusion just melted away. On the third day, the words of Peter still ring in my ears. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. You see, friends, third-day Christians are purified by obeying the truth, the truth that Christ has conquered sin and death, the truth that because Jesus loved us, we can now sincerely love other people deeply from the heart. Third-day Christians are born again. And I have to ask myself, well, what made the change from the first and second to the third day? And the only thing I can think of is it must have something to do with the person of Jesus. And frankly, I have to go and I have to find him and, and see for myself. I, I need to go and find him. Won't you come with me? Let us pray. Lord, we are believers in Jesus. 
as the Christ, as the Son of God. But sometimes we're like those first-day Christians that get confused, get lost, where life gets in the way and we hear these competing voices in our head, people that tell us that Jesus isn't really the Christ, Jesus isn't really God, and and then we become like those second-day Christians that we just don't know which way to turn. We don't know what we should do. It's just difficult. So we go through the motions and we go to church and we pray, but it doesn't seem like we're getting anywhere in life and not getting any closer to God. So Lord, help us to seek after God, to have that personal relationship with Christ, to sit at the feet of Jesus and to know that he is God and to have that hope that he is coming again just as Peter promised. Lord, help us to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives personally, to be born again, to be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. All this we lift up and pray in his precious and holy name. Amen.